everyone, my name is Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is Fit Click. where we talk about fan fiction and you all are in luck because this week we're talking about three fics. Wow. <laughs> I think you said this week we're talking about fan fiction. Also that. <laughs> yeah. Three pieces of fan fiction to be exact. Nick, why don't you tell us what you brought to the table? Oh, I'd love to. My fic for this episode is called Resonance. It's by Illinois. It's Critical Role. It's going to be great. Uh, what's your pick, Reed? My pick is Between the Saltwater and the Sea Strand. It's by Cloud Cover and it's a hockey fic. Brenna? Mine is called Yellow Square, or Yellow Square, if you want to pronounce it accurately, because it's in all caps, by Deja Vu, and it is a BuzzFeed Unsolved fic. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So before we jump right into our fic discussions, we did want to talk a little bit about RPF and like our philosophy around it and just like some things about it and the podcast. So we very much are treating RPF as fictionalized versions of real people who are completely separate from the actual people that they're based on. Uh, We are not pretending to know anything about the people that we're reading about or writing about. Uh, There's no speculation on someone's sexuality or like something that they're going through. The goal really is just to be able to, you know, explore themes and topics in fan fiction as you would with any other kind. But I do think that there is also this added layer of being able to really look at these grounded real world characters that aren't rooted in like a canon necessarily as you would see in fic about a book or a tv show or a movie or any other kind of scripted media so that's the first thing that we wanted to talk about we also wanted to say that we are definitively a fandom space so we are considering ourselves part of fandom. We are with all of you here. We are going to be censoring like fandoms and people's names as appropriate when we're tweeting from our social media. We are going to also be, you know, expecting that you all are doing the same and like being cool. We're not going to send any, you know, fan fiction about people to the people that it's being written about. We are not going to um, hopefully have any of this podcast be shared with the people that are potentially in these pieces of fiction that they're written about. Because honestly, the reason that we want to talk about this now is because last episode we did Rooster Teeth Achievement Hunter RPF, really good fic, and pretty much every single person who is associated with the company in like a forward-facing talent role has explicitly stated like, hell yeah, we love fan fiction. This is totally cool. The same can't really be said for like BuzzFeed Unsolved or um, the NHL. So uh, last I checked, the NHL hadn't released like a a press statement or anything about fan fiction, but let us know if they do. Um, It's important to our interests. But... (laughs) Because of that, we are definitely operating in a space where we are not trying to make anyone uncomfortable. We're not trying to cross any boundaries. Uh, We are keeping fandom things in fandom spaces, and we ask that all of you do the same. So my pick for this episode is called Resonance. It's by Illinois. I feel like if I just say it differently every single time, then one of them is going to be right. So Hopefully. This is Resonance by Illinois. Um... (laughs) God, poor Ellen. <laughs> Elena D's. Oh, you boy. know. 
Anyway, <laughs> it's a critical role fic. It's very good. It's very good. Elanoids, we really love this fic. I'm so sorry. Uh, but we think you're very talented. Um, so this is a fic. Um, yeah, it's for Critical Role. So Critical Role is a live stream that happens once a week for about four hours every single week. There's a lot of content in which uh, a bunch of voice actors who are also friends play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's a very good time. And that's essentially the fandom. This fic takes place within there. Before I get started on the full like synopsis of what we're dealing with here, I wanted to share some content warnings. So the content warnings for this fic are uh, D&D typical violence. So what you would expect to see in like your usual like, hey, this is a game where you like fight and kill people when you need to. Um, it's mostly like magic though. It's not gory at all. Um, so just know that. There is minor character death, but he was horrible, so do with that what you will. He was legitimately a bad man. Um, and there is some reference child abuse. So in the canon of Critical Role, this is something that actually does happen in one of the characters' backstories, and it's referenced in the fic. Honestly, though, I think that our discussion of it is going to contain more references to this than the actual fic itself does. So yeah, in this fic, um, Caleb is our main character. Uh, he's a wizard. And essentially, spoilers for like, in order to tell you the premise, there are pretty big spoilers here. So can I get some spoiler horns, please? <laughs> spoilers. Great. <laughs> we'll, we'll soundboard that. Yeah. Hope you enjoy this new segment where we spoil yeah. our own podcast. <laughs> um, so Caleb essentially becomes powerful enough with magic that he's able to sort of go back in time and affect the timeline that he's in to correct um, a really horrible thing that happened to him. Um, in the fic, it opens up with the group that he formerly traveled with, um, who now like don't even know who he is because the timeline split. They come to his door and are trying to investigate a murder. Um, it was Caleb that did the murder. <laughs> <laughs> You can't just spoil things without the spoiler horns. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Give us a heads up. Yeah. So <laughs> that's essentially the premise of the fic. It gets into a lot of like technicalities around magic and stuff, which I think are actually really fun, but that's what you need to know to be able to listen to this conversation. Um, one of the things that I liked the most about it and that I wanted to talk a little bit about is that there is this theme of questioning what is forgivable and what we are actually able to do. How do we affect our past? Like, I feel like a lot of folks, I don't know, maybe not you, listener, you've probably never done anything wrong, but I feel like a lot of people- <laughs> Our perfect listener. <laughs> our perfect listener, we, we stand. Um, <laughs> but I feel like in, in so many people's lives, right? There's this, there's this thing that maybe happened to you or that you did that if you had the opportunity to go back and undo, like you probably would choose to do that or at least consider it. Um, and this fic takes that hypothetical and it makes it really literal. Um, and I thought it was super, super interesting. Um, and I love the way that it played out. Um, I did want to hear y'all's just like first impressions. Did you like it? Um, what did you think? I know y'all are both familiar with Critical Role. So mm -hmm. yeah. I love that you're jumping in with the big stuff. I know, right? <laughs> I'm excited. No, it's good. I mean, I think that that does, I think that's like one of the biggest things that this fic like gets at. That is sort of like the base question and it's exploring. Um, I really enjoyed this fic. I thought it was really fun. Um, 
it had been a while since I read a Critical Role fic, and this one was very fun, and like a very fun way to jump back into that story. I'm also behind on yes. canon, so yeah, it was nice the, to like revisit it. I think of the three of us, I'm the only one who's yes. caught up. <laughs> um, and it is sort of interesting because there's a very big, hugely plot-changing event that happens in Crit Roll canon yes. that I think occurred halfway through the author posting this. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you can tell in the notes when it occurred. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, basically one of the actors ends up playing two characters. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, because the first character he played died. Ooh. Ooh. It still hurts. So this- it really does. <laughs> Y'all, I was so sad. I know. Okay. Um, this fic features the first character, and I sort of didn't look at the time when this was posted before reading it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> Molly, Molly's here. <laughs> um, no, but I really like this. I really liked how it played with time and, like, the way it sort of thought about timelines and time travel. I think the way it, um, elaborated on D&D magic was really mm-hmm. interesting. I really sort of love when magic gets incorporated in a very, like, meta way into fic. Because for any of those of you who play D&D or play a similar RPG game, you will know that it's sort of easy to skip over the narrative aspect of magic. It's easy to skip over the, like, why did I get the spell? How did I get the spell? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I just leveled up and I got a spell. Um, the actor who plays our main character in this fit, Caleb, I think already does a very good job of sort of writing in how Caleb gets new spells. But one thing I thought was really interesting about this fic is it takes sort of like the premise for classic D&D spells, like Detect Magic, and really elaborates on them and really goes into how a spell like that could actually work and all the ways it could kind of go wrong as well, which is something that we kind of rarely see while playing the game. Like a spell can fail, Mm -hmm. but... This one just, like, twists them in really intriguing ways. So I thought that was super, super fun. Um, And just, like, something that you aren't going to get from canon. And, I mean, I think that's one of the funnest things about fic is, like, how it can build and develop upon canon. I think this is a really great example of that. Yes. Canon divergence. Woo! (laughs) I really, really liked this. I am very soft for Caleb. He is my boy. (laughs) I love him. Mm -hmm. And he's very, very sad in canon. Yeah. uh, Which lends to some really good fic and like really good meta about him and I think sort of Nick how you were saying that what does it look like if you go back and fix your biggest mistake yeah of course it makes sense this would be about Caleb like that is what his entire character arc is about Mm -hmm. yep but there are so many things about the way this plays out that just highlight like why this could only be Caleb I'm gonna skip basically all the way to the end yeah um so the the plot of this fic is that they are trying to um investigate this murder and as we said, spoilers, Caleb is the one who murders the guy, but they are in this alternate timeline. He and the group are discovering this and you're watching this new Caleb sort of like slot all the pieces into place. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, as Caleb and the group are investigating this murder, even before Caleb as a character sort of acknowledges it, he knows that he is the murderer, but it really isn't until the very end where he like finally acknowledges it. And it's so very Caleb to, like, be the one to get in the way of his own happiness. Yep. Like, Mm -hmm. he went and in this original timeline, he gathered the power to be able to do exactly what he wanted to do. He erased this horrible person from his life um, and created this, like, new timeline for himself where ostensibly he's very happy. 
And then because he is so smart and because he has to dig and know all of the answers, he unravels his own happiness. Um, But I think like the other nice thing though is I think this fic does explore like what makes an ending happy Mm -hmm. and like what is the happiest option for a character. This fic doesn't like take away Caleb's happiness by just dropping them straight back into canon mm-hmm. timeline or something. It doesn't say, oh, now that you've, fa- now that you've solved my riddle, <laughs> like, you get to experience all your childhood trauma again. Yeah. Yay, oh, Caleb, what a great prize. <laughs> um, no, because it doesn't, it doesn't sort of do that to him. Like, he does sort of have to live with knowing, one, that he killed this man, who he didn't even really think that he knew, and two, knowing that in some other timeline that... Technically, he has already lived. Mm-hmm. All these terrible things happened. Yeah. He, you know, was sort of under this, like, very abusive man. Um, he and his two friends were sort of made to do terrible things, including for Caleb. Content warning. Um, yeah. He killed his parents by lighting their house on fire. Woo! Horrible. Um, but a classic D&D backstory, oh, you yeah. know? <laughs> no one's allowed to have alive, happy parents. <laughs> um, but I did think it was interesting because even as you sort of give Caleb this pretty happy ending, you are also aware that you're losing things from canon. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that you lose is that the whole group didn't get to come together in the way that we saw. This is very much a fic where Caleb has been living his life separate from the rest of the Mighty Nine in Rexingtrim, the place he grew up with his childhood friends who have now become like his best friend and his wife. Um, And you don't get that same bond. You don't get those same adventures that they had. So I think even giving him this happy ending, there is something that you're still losing. And I think that that's what makes a good happy ending is that it doesn't like wrap everything up too, too neatly. And that there is something about it that's still, like, slightly melancholy. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. it's almost happy because it's not easy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, yeah. And there's so much, like, dramatic irony in this fic, too, as a reader, if you know the canon going in. Um, Because there's no point during this fic at which you're like, huh, I wonder, like... These like they recognize each other almost immediately. Mm. So you, as the reader, are like okay, like something happened that they forgot each other and now are remembering. You're not like oh weird that this guy seems familiar because you have seen the show and you know that a they did travel together for a very long time. They still are mostly traveling together. Um, and like two, Caleb wants to bend reality to his will. That's mm-hmm. like a quote from the show. <laughs> also, a- like a and two, they come. Oh, to I'm sorry. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> They come into his house and are like, Trent Ickathon was murdered. And you, uh-huh. an audience member, know mm-hmm. that if Trent Ickathon was murdered, it was probably by Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not hard to put those yeah, things together. and the circumstances are mysterious. Mm-hmm. Like, huh. But it's also, like, I think I really like the way the dramatic irony operates, though. Because, like, for me, there was such a sense of dread this whole time of, like, what's going to happen once they figure it out. Because you mm-hmm. don't think that they won't. Like, Caleb is the, he's the one who's smart enough to, like, outsmart the thing that he did. Yeah. <laughs> like, he tried to put in all these fail-safes to make sure that, like, he could get to live this, like, life that was perfect the way that he wanted it, but, like, it's still him. So, I don't know. It's it's interesting. But there's a part that I really love um, where he is dreaming, and he's almost, like, lucid dreaming a little bit. Like, he is having this dream that he's had a million times, this nightmare, and then he's thinking to himself about it. And the narration reads, I have had these dreams for 20 years and never once have they been real. There is no fire. My parents are alive. I do not know these people. And like, 
reading that because he was the reader like oh well <laughs> well there is a fire and like you did kill your parents at one point and you did know these people um it's just so much to like sit through and be reading and I think I really like what you said because I was really worried like there's a point where um Jester she's a cleric um she's a character essentially who gets her power from a god and she communicates with this god and he tells her it was a good trick but it's gone on long enough and it's so ominous Mm -hmm. um and so as I was reading I was like oh no like you're watching them unravel like they they just grab one thread and just pulling and you're like what is gonna happen like I was completely terrified that they would go back to that original timeline or something worse or that like Trent would like be revived and then start killing everyone like (laughs) I was really worried (laughs) yeah no, I think that's true, though, and I like what you said about, like, Vim grabbing a thread, because I think that that's sort of, like, very much how you're supposed to envision the story, mm-hmm. is it being woven together? Um, sort of later on, when they finally sort of get to their biggest point of realization about what happened and why the magic has sort of gone wonky, um, Yasha, one of the characters, describes it as sort of seeming like a hole had been torn in a scarf. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's how we're supposed to envision both, like, like, the narrative threads of the story and also, like, the narrative threads of time in this, time and magic. Um, And I just think that's really cool. I really like that. And I liked a lot how things sort of seeped across that barrier. Mm -hmm. I think Caleb's dreams are, like, a really big part of that. I also really liked these different moments of you trying to determine, like, when and where and how Trent was killed. Yes. Because when you're, when they first set out to start investigating, um, they're basically walking up and down this road, and they know he was ostensibly killed on this road, and they're asking people what they can remember, and this happened 20 years ago, so a lot of people are like, I don't know, or just have heard stories, or maybe have read about it, but everyone says he died in winter on this road, in like a yeah. burst of flame, or basically. he exploded, or something. Oh, right, like he yeah. like vanished from sight, and yeah. like all traces of him disappeared in yeah. the snow. But it was definitely like winter mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they talk to this barkeeper who doesn't really quite seem like he's all there. Uh-huh. Um, and they're sort of like, "What's up with you, dude?" Um, <laughs> exactly. But he interrupts their conversation when they're talking to some other people about the the winter road death. Mm-hmm. Um, and he 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 says, "Yes, he was tricked." And then he died. Served it right enough in the summer. Yes, in the summer. And that's the first moment we get where we're sort of like, oh, maybe there isn't just like one death for Trent. And there isn't. Like we sort Mm -hmm. of realize that there's these multiple ones all stacked up. And it's really cool how that happens. I I think maybe my favorite scene of the fic is where all of those multiple timelines kind of converge. Um, That moment of like full realization. Um, so, like you said, like, they're investigating, and they kind of get hints, like, at that same bar, um, a different person working, I mm-hmm. think, says, like, oh, I saw the murder, it happened out in the stable yards, like, out back. And you get an interlude, so, like, a flashback, basically, to the moment, and it's, um, the moment that it happens in the canon timeline, or canon divergent timeline, it's, it's a dry, brittle heat of summer, where it's described as, like, the tiniest spark will set everything ablaze. And in the alternate timeline, when they're investigating, it's, like, in the, in the like, middle of this, like, intense storm. So it's, like, storming and raining, and they go out, and basically Caleb is able to see sort of, like, displacement of magic. And in specific, he sees, like, where there is nothingness. Like, there is supposed to be something, and there just is nothing. And he sees sort of this, like, pattern in the air around the stable yards, and he starts, like, tracing it. And it says he realizes, like, there's a gap about hand height where he would be holding out his hand for a spell. 
and he starts walking it and he realizes the movements are the exact movements as if he was blocking spells and parrying and he starts spiraling closer and closer to a point and he holds out his hand and it's the exact place where in a different timeline he killed Trent. And it's just this like really great moment of all of the overlap coming together. And it's so like the images are so vivid. I think, yeah, that was my favorite scene. It was so good and so like well put together. Uh, One other thing that I had was also, I think this fic does a really good job of reminding you that they're playing D&D without like shoehorning mechanics Mm -hmm. into like every unnecessary space. Like it's very much the narrative of this like story that's being told, but the medium definitely is like D&D still on the meta level. I really love that. We talked about that with the spells, but I also wanted to talk about it a little bit with the the centering and framing of these specific people and how like the gods are getting involved a little bit trying to change things and like the whole fabric of reality is altered um because like in D, like your adventuring party like you are the heroes of the realm um even at lower levels even when you're just starting even when you're just like goofing off doing random nonsense like you still are like the people at the middle of everything because that's just how the game works and so you really get a sense of that, I think, in this fic where, like, yeah, they're, like, occasionally doing goofy things or, like, bantering um, or, like, harassing random people on the street to ask them questions. But, like, the gods are paying attention. Um, everything is changed because it's one decision. Um, and I really like that reminder that there are sort of these omniscient eyes on... Or om- omniscient? Omnipresent. Mm. eyes on on them um and like not to continue talking about the meta level of being a fic reader and like voyeurism (laughs) but (laughs) that's part of it too of like there's this whole stuff that's like going on in the way that fic gets framed like you are looking in on this very specific part and like why is it important that we watch this specific thing it's because these are the heroes of the realm and this is the big like turning point Mm -hmm. in which this decision sort of all comes apart and you get to see every single piece of it laid out in front of you I just love that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, the whole meta D&D thing is also just very fascinating when you think about the fact that we're writing fic about Crit Roll at all. Yeah. Like, Critical Role and any sort of, like, let's play D&D sort of thing Mm -hmm. is, like, D&D as an RPG is based so much on chance and improv and... You know, the the basic premise of the game is that you roll a dice and that's how you know what happens next. Um, so I think it's really interesting to take a story that, even though there's a lot of thought and time and care being put into the narrative, it's not scripted. Um, and so like I think it's really interesting to look at what happens when we take a show that isn't scripted and then we script it out. Yeah. Like, I think that just on a metal level, that's always been really fascinating to me with both Crit Roll and with things like fic for Adventure Zone mm-hmm. um, and just anything that's sort of based on D&D or something like D&D. Um, but I just thought that was cool here because there are so many moments in this where it could have gone wrong had they actually been playing. And especially for crit roll, sometimes the things that go wrong are just the most absurd <laughs> yeah. little things. Um, and so there's so many chances where you know that they would have had to roll to make something big happen. But in here, we don't really have to think about that. We don't have to be worried that like someone's going to roll a one and have a critical failure and they're never going to yeah. be able to solve the mystery. Or like they're going to get thrown in jail or like they're going <laughs> to get kicked out of a temple or like who knows what. Um, so I just think that that's sort of like 
interesting that like fic lets us explore how things could like go smoothly yeah. <laughs> in crit roll. It's also when like thinking about the meta level of it, um, because it is just a group of friends sitting around a table. They make jokes a lot of times, or they'll say things, and they'll, like, say them in a character voice or whatever, or they'll run with a bit, but it's like, is it canon or not canon? Mm -hmm. Um, Because they'll say some, like, absolutely wild things that are like, if you actually said that to, like, the barkeep or whatever, like, you'd probably get kicked (laughs) out, but, like, you can tell that they're making a meta-level joke, and so, like, even though they're doing it in character, it's not quite canon. Or is it? I mean, there's a lot of just, like, straight-up canon, because, Mm -hmm. you know, they're playing the game, but there are these moments where it's like... As a fandom, you sort of have to figure out what actually makes it into the narrative of canon of Crit Roll. Um, yeah, and so so figuring out the meta of this podcast where things are not always like set in stone canon, and then figuring out how you want to translate that to fic is really interesting. I do think this fic is clever, though, in how it uses magic, because the spell we see the most is Detect Magic, and Caleb can ritual cast that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that gets away a little bit from, like, the spell slot thing. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't have to, like, expend, like, a use of a spell um, in order to do it in canon, which means we don't have to worry about him, like, running out of magic mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that helps sort of, like, also create this persona of Caleb as this super powerful magician mm-hmm. in this fic. Um, he's more powerful in this fic than we have seen him in canon mm-hmm. and more recognized for his magic in this fic. Yes. Um, he is an archmage in this and Ooh. in canon he's mostly a runaway. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dirty wizard. Dirty wizard. He's Dirty his wizard way up. boy. Yeah, he, I mean he's very getting very powerful, but like Yeah. He's not an archmage in Rexingtrum. No. So uh, that was Resonance, um, which is a fic in which you have to face yourself and ask the question, if I could undo my worst mistake or moment of my past, would I do it? Um, this fic tends to answer the question like, yeah, you should probably do it. <laughs> um, well, especially if it's like, you killed your family. Yeah, unkill your family. Unkill your family. Unkill your family. You can quote it's that like, to It's like unbury your gaze, but it's a little <laughs> Unkill your family. Um so that was Resonance. Um, Reed, I think you're up next. Tell me about your fic, please. Wow, I sure will. Thanks. Do not tell me about your fic, Reed. I <laughs> oh, do not want to hear tell only me. <laughs> okay, uh, Brenna, close your ears. Okay. For Nicole and our <laughs> listeners, my fic is Between the Saltwater and the Sea Strand by Cloud Cover. It's a hockey fic, but good news for you if you don't know about hockey, it's an AU, so you don't actually have to know Woo! anything about who any of these people are. Just to give some context, though, uh, for our non-hockey folk, the pairing is Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. So a fun thing is that Evgeny Malkin, he's got a lot of names. <laughs> when he came to the U.S. to play hockey, his like teammates gave him the nickname Gino, and that's the name that's used most often by like media and by fans. Um, I think that's pretty much what we'll be referring to him as, as is Gino. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, his name, as stated, is Evgeny, and he's Russian, and... The Russian diminutive for Evgeny is apologies if you speak <laughs> Russian. I'm sure I'm butchering this. Um, but the nickname for him is Zhenya. Um, and this fic is from his point of view. And so that is pretty much exclusively what he refers to himself as. Um, and mostly what people in the fic refer to him as. Sometimes they use Evgeny. I don't think Gino is used even once. No. Um, but that's what we'll be calling him. <laughs> so if you decide to check out this fic and you're like, why are they calling him Gino? Or that's just like, why. who the fuck is Gino? Yeah. Well, who the fuck is Genya when this is tagged as Evgeny Malkin? Uh, 
That would be that. <laughs> yeah. So some of the other names um, you might need to know in this fic. For quick context, everyone in this fic um, at one point in time was on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, not all of them are now currently. But some nicknames that we might use that may or may not come up in the fic. Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, his nickname is Flower. Chris Letang is Tanger. And also in this fic, Sid has a daughter, and her name is Una. So those are just some some names to know um, that may or may not match up to what is actually written in the fic. There are no content warnings really for this fic, so I'm just going to get into... Selkies! So, oh, content warning Selkies! <laughs> content warning water. <laughs> Reed, do you know about Selkies? Oh, oh Nick, uh, actually, I'd love if you could enlighten me, please. Here, let me just look something up really quick. <laughs> Great, here I am. Um, okay, here are some Selkie facts. Um, Selkies are seal people. Uh, seeple, if you will. <laughs> um, they have pelts, and they can hit people with them if they need to. Um, if they give it to someone, it's like, oh god, you own me? You own me now, that sucks. Um, and they like the water, and they have sharp little teeth, and they are folklore! I, all of that information was from selkies-whatyouneedtoknow.org. Um, so go wow. take a look. Wow, thank you for that information. You're welcome. So yeah, um, spoilers, this fic is about selkies. Um, basically the premise of this fic is that Gino sort of has been traveling for his whole life, um, just sort of picking up jobs as he goes along um, and feeling a constant call back to the sea and back to the water. He finds his way to um, a Nova Scotia town where he is to take care of a vacation home during the winter. Um, and while he's there, he becomes really enamored with, like, the people in the town and finds out that a lot of them are selkies. And there's some other mythic folk, too. Spoilers! <laughs> Sorry, spoilers. Um, yeah, there's some other mythic folk, too, but it's mostly about the selkies. I think part of the reason I picked this fic, uh, is I, it's, I'm very soft, and I'm very soft about it, um, and the prose is really beautiful, but I think in particular, I really, really love this Gino. Um, and, uh, Nicole had said before we started recording that she felt like this Gino was, like, pretty far removed from the, I don't know, quote-unquote actual Gino, or, like, yeah. the Gino you see a lot in fic, which is fair. I didn't really recognize him in a way that I don't mind. Um, I'm sure real Gino's cool. <laughs> um, but honestly, like, I really liked how far removed this felt from anything that we know or have seen. Like, I loved... Because I feel like it gave so much room for this character to be, like, really complex and, like, very rooted to his backstory, um, which is not the backstory of NHL player Kenny Malkin. Um, it is a story about, like, nomadic journeys and, like, meeting people in all different countries. That's, what? like, a little bit the story oh, okay. of NHL player Kenny okay, okay, okay. Malkin. <laughs> it is, it is. But I'm just saying. Sure, but, like... Staying on people's couches and, like, talking to them about, like, love and stuff. Um, I guess, you know, I have no way of knowing for sure. But I think that this <laughs> fic was really able to root itself in its setting. Um, and also in the backstory that was created. And I think that's why he in particular felt so distant from what I had expected. Also from what I had just seen in that other fic, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really do love the Gino of this fic, though. Um I think I put for, like, our personal tags that we tweeted out, uh, Gino has a big heart. Um, he's he's very, very empathetic, um, and you get that right from the beginning of the fic. 
Um, so Gino, like, sort of arrives at this house that he's meant to take care of, and shortly after arriving, uh, there's a really bad storm, and he wakes up in the middle of the night and he hears crying, and he goes down to the shore and discovers, um, what you find out to be Sid's daughter, and he takes care of her, and he's, like, so, so frightened for this child, um, and doing his absolute best to, like, make sure she's okay, um, and get her back safely, and it's sort of, like, right from the beginning establishes, like, the type of character that he is, and there's, there's, like, a few moments throughout the fic, like, as he is um, falling for Sid, where he keeps, like, admonishing his soft heart. He's like, you don't know him that well yet. Don't do this. Don't do this. And, like, knowing that it is kind of already too late. I think, too, what you were saying with that scene with um, him and Sid's daughter and, like, taking care of her and the sphere that he has um, in mostly, like, novel writing advice that I've seen, um, there is this sort of theory that you need to give your main character a quote-unquote save the cat moment which just means that within like the first sort of chapter as the reader is getting to know your main character um, they need to have this moment where even if they're like snarky or disorganized or flawed in some way they make a fundamentally good choice um or like a fundamentally relatable choice and so the example given in that theory is like that they save a cat that's like bedraggled, starving on the side of the road. Um, So they can be a terrible person, but the fact that they saved the cat means that you, as a reader, immediately have some attachment to them or, like, empathy. Um, And I think that that... Not that Gino, like, is not a great character in this fic in general, because I think he totally is. I don't think that I needed that moment necessarily for him, but I found it so, like, impactful um, because all he's thinking about is, like, making sure that she's okay and, like, what can he do? Um, and it was, like, such a deeply selfless act that I felt like it really cemented him for me as someone that I was rooting for from the get-go. I think, like, having this fic, having done that allows it to do more work in a shorter period of time because it doesn't need to take up as much time to build Gino's character. The first glimpses of Gino's character that we get are kind of melancholy. Um, he, he is very sort of nomadic and doesn't seem to have found a place that he sort of wants to settle. Um, and then I think this, having this moment where he saves Una and takes care of her allows us to sort of quickly see this other side of Gino um, and paint a more full picture of him as a character. And it makes us, it roots our attachment in Gino staying in this place. Mm-hmm. I think the beginning makes us want Gino to find a place to call home. And then him saving Una and like alongside him meeting Vero and Flower and sort of like being welcomed into their town's community. I think those two things together sort of make it so that we as readers want that place that he finds to be this place. Yeah, I I really do think one of the things I love most about this fic is that like, obviously like it is a, a ship fic as well, but a lot of it is about like Gino finding himself and this like this found family aspect of it's not just about like oh he saved Sid da- Sid's daughter and then he like starts becoming interested in Sid like there's so there's so much that happens with Gino and with this town and this story that has nothing to do with Sid or Sid is just sort of in the periphery the scene where where Gino finds out that like selkies are real um Sid comes back to his house because in the storm where Una was lost she lost her pelt um, so he's sort of, like, frantically looking for it, and Gino comes down, and he's like, oh, like, can I help you? And Sid is being so cagey. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I lost something. Um, and Gino's like, great, like, what is it? And he's like, 
something weird and it's like okay Sydney like that's not helpful well also like okay imagine just imagine being in this position of like you're just minding your business Uh like taking care of a vacation house and someone's like help me look for something weird like also like Sid is like it's like cold he's dripping wet like yeah he should not have been swimming like it's so weird it's so weird like what are you talking about (laughs) give me something here also if I was in this position, which I'm imagining myself in now, <laughs> looking for something weird on this beach, like, a seal skin wouldn't seem that weird. That's true. And, like, Gino mostly picks it up because he thinks it's sad yeah. that, like, some seal w- was killed. Yeah. Um, but I'd be looking for, I don't know, like, buried gold? Like, yeah. I don't know, Sydney, what are you doing? Yeah. Sydney. <laughs> like, I don't think, that, like, a se- seal skin isn't, yeah. like, that weird. Like, 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 like in this town where there's lots of seals. Yeah, like, on the ocean. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of just luck that, like, we know Gino has a big heart and he picks yeah. up this seal skin because he's like, oh, isn't it sad? Yeah. But for, for context, he doesn't pick up uh, Una's. Like, he doesn't find Una's. He, he picks up Sid's, and, like, Sid freaks out and comes, like, running over, and he's like, don't touch that, again, just being, like, weird as fuck. And because he, like, <laughs> freaks out, he basically reveals, like, okay, yes, like, I'm a Selkie. Selkies are real. And Gino's reaction uh, is, so he says, so amazing, Zhenya exclaims. I wonder if that's real, what else is? Amazing. He's probably making a ridiculous starry-eyed expression at Sydney, but he doesn't know how to make himself stop. And I just, like, love the, like, it's just, like, this joy and wonder um, that he has. It's such, like, a, it's such a pure moment um, that really, like, made me smile. It's a very, like, sweet astonishment Mm -hmm. um, because I think as a reader, and especially as a reader of, like, folk tales and stories where an allegory like this is expected to be met with, like, disgust or even just, like, surprise in a negative way or like not knowing how to deal with something like I think a lot of times in stories like this right there is the allegory that like the other um, is someone who's like oppressed and who has to keep their thing secret and like all of this stuff and so you expect like once that's revealed like they're going to face negative repercussions but that never really happens in this fic like um, there is some mention um, about like the past of like um the mother of Sid's child, like, that was, like, a really, really negative reaction. But pretty much everyone else, like, it's vaguely an open secret in the town. Um, Gino responds, like, very positively. I don't know. It was very, like, heartfelt in a way that sort of threw me off guard almost as a reader. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I really loved about this fic, um, and I I really liked the whole fic, but I think I especially loved the beginning. Yeah. Um... Not only do I think it's, like, beautifully written, but I also just really like the world building and tone setting that it does for Gino prior to him meeting Sid. And he, like, first encounters Sid very briefly kind of early on, but prior to him first, like, meeting Sid and actually getting to know him. Um, I think it's always interesting when a fic largely revolves around, like, one of the two people in the main pairing, and this fic definitely is more Gino than Sid. Um... And I think this one handles itself really well in that way. I tend to enjoy fix like this. I think especially when you're sort of having to do a lot of character development. In a fic like this, it's like, yes, these people are named the same names as famous yeah. NHLers. And for some of them, there are definite character traits that transfer over. Like, I found, found Sydney pretty Sydney-like. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff that the author is just doing themselves like a lot of work they're putting in um because 
not only is it RPF where you don't have a ton of source material to go off, but it's AU RPF. So you're not even really using like hockey and teams to like contextualize the characters. Um, so I really enjoy in fix that sort of have a, a need for a lot of character development and world building um, when they sort of focus more on one person. Um, and I think like for me, this one hit a really good balance between sort of the character study aspect, the world building and their relationship. Um, I think this beginning, especially when we're sort of getting to know Gino and who he is, worked really, really well for me. One of my um, one of my favorite characters in the fic actually is someone you never meet in person. Um, it's someone that Gino encountered in his past. It's a girl mm. named Elodie, I think. Eliswad? Uh, no, no, Eliswad. Eliswad. It's a girl named Elodie that he met in France. Um, who. He, like, kind of had a thing with for a bit, and then he thinks that he's in love with her, and he, like, says as much to her, and she's like, no, you're not. Like, this is not what you think it is. Um, and he's, like, a little heartbroken for a bit, and then he travels on, and they stay really good friends. Um, and he still keeps in touch with her, um, and in some ways, like, like literally, like, she reaches out to him in other ways, just sort of, like, in him using about the past, she's a touchstone for his feelings and for him sort of figuring out, like, what love looks like and, like, what he wants in terms of, like, a home and another person. And there's a bit where uh, Sid and Gina are talking and Sid is sort of opening up about how, like, Una's mother, like, didn't want to stay and Gino gets, like, really angry and he's like, what? Like, how could she not want to stay? Like, she's crazy. She doesn't know what she's missing. Um, and it goes, neither does Elodie, Sid says. And Jenya doesn't have an answer in any language for that. And I was like, oh, boy. She just, like, plays a really interesting role in this fic. And I like that they're friends. Like, there's a whole Instagram yeah. DM conversation they have that's very fun. That's cute. Um, and it, I think, just, like, ties back to sort of what Brenna was saying, that, like, there's there's so much more to Gino than just, like, in this moment. Like, you get so much of his backstory, and mm -hmm. he's, like, rooted to his history and, and all of these other things. And I think she's a big part of that, even though she isn't necessarily a huge presence in the fic. One of the sort of, I think, emotional turning points of this fic where you realize that Gino's um, affections are returned, but like that Sid's maybe not ready yet um, happens actually when Gino's like half asleep, um, maybe like 75% of the way asleep, um, and Sid and Flower are talking in the same room as him um, or like nearby. And I just thought it was super interesting because it's such a thing that we see in fic like all the time of like overhearing this like really dramatic conversation that is about you that either I, okay either you overhear it and it's like completely essential to your understanding of the situation or you overhear it and completely misunderstand what someone is saying and it's a disaster um but this might just be because like I don't have a roommate or anything but I feel like I never overhear <laughs> conversations really about me like if I'm like people watching or whatever I'm walking around a crowded like mall like yeah of course I'm gonna hear people speaking next to me but I'm never like half asleep like finding my biz <laughs> and then I hear like oh, like, I'm really in love with Nicole, but I just can't tell her until she changes her haircut or whatever. Like, <laughs> it would be very lonely if you did, because like you said, you don't live with anyone. Yeah, so where's that voice coming oh from? God. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like my hair. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's just always really hilarious to me when I read this stuff in fit, because I feel like it's not a phenomenon that I hardly ever encounter in my actual life. So it's like, ooh, the drama. But it's like such a, such a common fic. Thing to yeah. do. I think it's like I've never experienced it where someone's like, 
ooh, Brenna, like, here's a secret about Brenna that I'm saying now while <laughs> Brenna's mostly asleep. Yeah. But I do think the whole, like, you hear a bit of something and you're not sure what context it exists in is pretty real. I think there were so many times at college where, like, mm. someone would say something to me either assuming that I already knew what they were talking about or I would just overhear something and it would take, like, a while to figure out what context it was supposed to be in. But usually it's not some, like, secret that's crucial to, like, the plot of the fanfiction I'm starring in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to get a little bit into the tags for this fic. Um, so this fic is tagged as Magical Realism, um, which is something that Brenna has <laughs> many, many oh, feelings gosh. about. Yeah, I do have a lot of feelings about Magical Realism, both as a literary genre and sort of mm-hmm. as a AO3 tag. <laughs> um... It's definitely one of my favorite literary genres. I think it offers so much in a really fascinating way and allows an author to explore things in a way that like no other genre really does. Um, So I think it's really unique and fascinating in that respect. I also think fanfic tends to use the magical realism tag in a way that is completely separate from magical realism as a literary genre. Um, I think this probably has benefits and downsides like a lot of things do in fandom um, and a lot of things do when you take them out of context but magical realism as a genre it's super broad and pretty hard to define and its difficulty to define is sort of one of its (laughs) defining characteristics paradoxically (laughs) Um, but it's usually something like a story that is highly realistic but also features something that is either supernatural, fantastical bizarre, absurd, magical um But those things are usually presented in the same way that everything else is. It's also presented as very just matter-of-fact reality. This is what's happening. I think one of the things that I really love about it as a literary genre, and that sometimes I don't find in fanfic that uses its tag, is the, like, implicit political criticism. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Magicalism as a literary genre is largely acknowledged to come out of, like, Latin America and to be, like founded by Latinx authors. From there, I think a lot of the magical realism that exists is coming from other countries and other political atmospheres that have a bit of like a post-colonial element. Um, And I think that that's largely because magical realism allows authors to to create alternative worldviews that center themselves as marginalized or disenfranchised people mm-hmm. um, and to change or correct like the established viewpoint. So they're often very against yeah. the sort of main mainstream sort of against the like mainstream universalist narrative. Um, yeah, no. And I think too, it's so interesting to see the way that like fandom has taken magical realism very literally in terms of just like Mm -hmm. the words magical and realism like to me a lot of times it does feel like it's attached to any fic that is not fantasy but has magic so like what you would consider maybe like urban fantasy um folklore like we were saying anything set in sort of like a modern setting that has magic involved or even just like small magic i see as a Mm -hmm. tag sometimes that i really love small magic i think is such a good tag i really like it it's cute. Yeah, but I think it is interesting to see, like, the ways in which it has shifted and changed, um, partially because fandom is kind of an echo chamber, and you tag what you see other people tagging, and you, like, learn from the people within, like, this little sphere of fic a lot of the times, um, and that's how things get propagated and perpetuated. Um, and I also think, too, like, a lot of people who are writing fic, um, 
haven't taken like a theory class on magical realism, right? What? I know. I know. <laughs> I'm not, sorry to break this to you. That's not part of like fandom 101. God, I think there is really such a balance though between like the accessibility of concepts like this, right? Of like it can be hard for people to access this kind of like literature or like critical theory um and at the same time like what are we doing when we strip away the context from a literary theory that does like tend to really center marginalization Mm -hmm. i think it's something i don't know there's there's all of these like wobbly gray spaces in fandom this is definitely one of them for me while most of this fic fits a like folklore au there is a bit at the beginning that i think fits magical realism very very well and it's actually just about Gino, who in a lot of ways is like the least magical of anyone in this fic. And or yet, is he? I think that's exactly why he fits <laughs> magical realism so yes. well. Yeah. So we've sort of talked about the beginning a whole bunch. We've talked about Gino feeling a little bit lost and he has this feeling like he always needs to get back to the sea ever since he first visited it on like a family vacation. Um, and he's sort of there as like a late teenager sort of thinking about what his life's going to be, where does he want to go? Um, and he's thinking about how his hometown doesn't offer that much to him. And he says, he stares down the barrel of his future there, toiling away at a factory job, living in dying streets away from where he was born. He rubs the water smooth stone in his pocket and thinks of the thunder of the waves. He knows that staying here will kill some essential part of himself. And so he leaves. And I just oh, really like that part. It's so good. And I think because this fic does have more explicit magic later on, does have these folklore elements, it makes us go back and question Gino himself mm-hmm. and say, is there something else going on with Gino? It'd be easy to read this just as a metaphor of, you know, you feel dead inside when, like, you aren't happy, when you don't feel like <laughs> you're somewhere that you love. Yeah. But then you sort of think, well, is there some part of him that's, like, actually dying? Because... It's making us reevaluate, like, our worldview. And I think that's a very, like, magical realism thing to be doing. I love that it, like, it never explicitly tells you one way or another. Um, I know we had talked about a little bit before we started recording that, like, we kind of kept waiting, like, with the, with the revelation, like, this person is a Selkie and this person's a Mur, mm-hmm. this person, like, with all of these further revelations of, like, the ways in which, like, folklore and, like, mythic folk, like, factor into the fic, is Gino gonna turn out to be something? And it doesn't say... You could read it sort of at face value and you could say like, no, he's like just a human who wandered his way here. But like Brenna said, maybe you take that beginning bit and you like look back at it again and you're like, well, it doesn't say that he isn't there, mm-hmm. that there isn't something more to him, which I just thought was like really well done. And and this first bit like really does set the the tone for it in that way. I think Vero actually fits that bill a little bit too. I was mm-hmm. thinking about this. I had sort of like a <gasps> moment earlier when you were talking, actually. Vero is also just said to be human but there is this element of Vero being the one who's like I knew that this is where you were supposed to be that I think could also be sort of looked at in a way where it's like does she like know with like a lowercase k or does she like know with like a capital yeah I love that distinction because I feel like yeah it is so much of like not being sure what's literal and um I think you've talked about, like, how magical realism makes you reread things mm-hmm. of, like, wait, 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 what does this mean in the context of what I now know? And, like, the little bits of Gino's character that seem to add up into maybe something more definitely fall into that for me of, like, is 
is, yeah? Like, <laughs> is, is this the real deal? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's mm-hmm. happening here? Maybe nothing. Maybe he just is, like, thinking a lot about the ocean because it's where he grew up. Maybe it's just part of his character. Maybe it will kill him if he stays because he'll be sad. Um, maybe Una, Sid's daughter, washes up, like, super far away onto his beach just as a coincidence. There's... I think that part's so, like, yes. I think the author handled that really, really well. Yeah. And it's super fascinating. Yeah, so this fic is, um, it's about a lot of things, but it's about sort of trying to find a home, um, finding a home in other people, and the uncertainty of magical realism and folklore, (laughs) and how that factors in. Um, And it made me very, very soft, uh, so you should read it. Brenna, do you want to talk about your pick? Reed, I would love to discuss my pick for this week. It's called Yellow Square. Yellow Square! That's God. right, folks. <laughs> it's in all caps, so you got to say it loud. <laughs> and it's by Deja Vu. Um, right off the bat, the content warning for this one is just horror elements. Mm-hmm. It is a BuzzFeed unsolved supernatural fic where they go investigate a supposedly haunted location there's some ghostly paranormal activity maybe it's a little freaky it's honestly not that bad and there's no like gore or like jump scares really um it spooks me but in a good way yeah unless you have like a personal vendetta against ghosts i think you'll probably be fine (laughs) yeah and i want to note before we get any further into this and we like share any spoilers or get into like actually what happens in this fic um, I think the three of us found that this fic is, like, so fun on a first read when you don't fully know what's going on um, without, like, being spoiled or whatever. Like, I think Brenda and I both reread it for this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good on a reread, but it hits differently. And so if you have not read it and you have any tiny inkling of you that's like, hmm, maybe I want to read Yellow Square, um, <laughs> please pause this right now. Whatever you're doing, pause, go to our Twitter, click on the link, and go read Yellow Square. Uh, we can wait here while you do that. We'll just mm-hmm. wait. Make sure you pause it. We know you're still here. We know you think this is a joke. It's not a joke. Read Yellow Square. Read it. Okay, welcome back. I'm so glad that you've read it. Now we can get into the discussion. <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right, so like I said, this is a BuzzFeed Unsolved fic. BuzzFeed Unsolved Ooh. is a YouTube show produced, perhaps surprisingly, by BuzzFeed. What? Wow. Who would have guessed? Um, It stars two guys, Shane and Ryan, who investigate paranormal mysteries as well as true crime ones. Most of the fic that is set during um, BuzzFeed Unsolved centers around Supernatural because for Supernatural, they often go out and investigate places. Um, So that leads to really good, tropey, fun fic setups. Um, So once this just includes them going and walking around a haunted place during the night, but sometimes, like in this fic, they also stay the night. Um, I think, like, the biggest thing to know about their relationship is that it's sort of like a very classic X-Files-style relationship Mm. on screen. Um, Like, Shane is very much the skeptic, Ryan is very much the believer. They're very much always trying to get the other one to, like, see their point of view. But there's also a lot of, like, banter, and it's pretty cute and funny and... It makes for really good fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the reasons I picked this one for Fit Click is I really loved how it was structured in a very, like, classic fan fiction sense. Um, it sort of is, like, heightened canon. Mm-hmm. Like, everything that happens in the fic could plausibly happen in BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yes. But 
it sort of elevates the stakes of the investigation. It's four nights where usually they only stay like one. Um, it elevates sort of the actual paranormal stuff that they're encountering. Um, it elevates sort of like just the drama and the tension between everyone. And all of those things allow for sort of their relationship to really come into a space where they have to confront what they are to each other. Um, I really, really liked it. I think it's the perfect <laughs> example of the fic that you want to read first off for a fandom. Yes. Um, your brain is kind of like already doing this work while you're watching. It sort of fills in all the little like what ifs. Like what if there really was a ghost? What if this? What if that? Um, and I think it's just like, it's just such a good fic. I really loved it. Um, so I have some points I would definitely want to get into. But first, what were your thoughts? Oh, it's so good, Bretta. It's so good, Nicole. <laughs> I really, really love this fic. Oh my god. Okay. I totally agree with what you said about this being the fic that you look for when you enter, like, a fandom, because I pretty much did this exact thing. I, like, watched the show. I was like, ooh, what if, like, they were in love, though? And also, like, it was scary. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this fic exists. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's, like, really, really atmospheric. It's evocative. It's also really romantic. Like, I wasn't fully expecting that coming in. Like, it wasn't something that I had recalled really vividly the first time that I read it. But, like... It's really intimate and romantic, and, like, I was really in my feelings, even while all this other stuff was going on that was, like, ramping up the tension really high, I was also like, oh, they're soft, you know? It's, like, really what I want Uh out of that. I definitely agree, and I think the writing and the characterization of the boys is very, very good. Uh Um, Yeah. This was um, an interesting read for me because... um, (laughs) So I, I've read, like, a few BFU fics. I've watched a few videos only, like, because of you guys. Like, I had never yeah. watched anything um, before I met you guys. Um, in we part cornered because... her in a Panera parking lot. Oh, my God, you did? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow, I forgot. No, okay, that makes it sound like Reed wasn't with us. We just found her in Panera. <laughs> we, we were all together in the I Panera, Panera parking lot. And these two strangers um, came up to me. <laughs> We were all together, but we did also yell at her in a parking, parking lot. lot. Yeah. I forgot about that. Wow. Um, I am, like, very easily scared. I don't watch horror movies. Um, but I had read a few BFU fics. This fic I read on a plane, um, and I took notes for it in a journal. And I think the woman next to me was probably startled because, like, it's this fic is so good, y'all. And there were points where I was, like, reading and something would happen and I would, like, realize what was going on and like I would like sharply inhale and then furiously scribble in my (laughs) journal and like all caps screaming um it wow it was so good uh like I said I was genuinely spooked but in a way that I was into I guess sort of the premise for this fic like we sort of already said is um ghosts ghosts well they (laughs) they basically are uh, filming an episode um they go to this house that doesn't exist but is a very clever location that was made up by the author somewhere sort of on the outskirts of la um it's like an old bed and breakfast and in the 50s and then i think once again later two couples were murdered on like the fourth night they stayed there so they're staying for four nights and on the fourth night they pretend to sort of be a couple and wait to get murdered (laughs) (laughs) um But that, like, the first night, so Ryan, who is the one who is, like, uh, fully a believer and, like, gets very easily scared on the shoots and whatnot, um, you know, they're, like, sleeping and Ryan, like, feels, like, a bit of, like, pressure at his back and he's like, oh, like, Shane, like, rolled over in his sleep, whatever. And then, like, the next night, it's like, oh, he feels, like, an arm, like, kind of, like, around his shoulders and then he later, like, 
looks over and makes a note. Oh, like Shane's like rolled away some distance now. Like he must have like moved in in his sleep in the middle of the night. And this is the moment where I started all caps <laughs> screaming into my journal where I was like, oh no, oh no, it is a ghost that is cuddling with Ryan in the middle of the night. Nope, nope, don't want this, don't like this at all. Uh, because it just keeps like escalating. Um, and Ryan like doesn't really realize what's going on. And there's like, I think it's, I think it's the third night or the fourth, no, the third night where he, uh, the hand that he feels like starts like creeping up towards his throat. Oh, yeah, but he's, like, mostly asleep. He's, like, mostly asleep. And it's, like, it's, like, all, like, fine, and then this hand is, like, sort of just, like, moving towards his throat, and then the bathroom door opens because uh, Shane had gotten up to go to the bathroom, and Ryan very abruptly realizes that it was not uh, Shane who was, in fact, cuddling behind him. Um, And you also get, like, on the other side of it, like, after their first night, they're kind of, like, going through the audio because they record themselves and film themselves, like, all night. Um... You get, like, Shane scrubbing through the audio, and Ryan was like, oh, like, I thought we said we wouldn't do that until, like, later. And Shane, like, kind of makes a reference that you get that, like, he's, like, listening for something in particular that he doesn't find. And then you realize later it's because, like, he, like, basically was, like, hearing voices. Like, he thought that Ryan had been speaking to him when Ryan hadn't been. Um, it's, Ooh, really, it's really good! As far as we know, though, because I think a yeah. really interesting yes. thing about this fic is that it, we're in Ryan's perspective, and I don't think that I would have felt nearly as, like, scared or unsettled at all if we were in Shane's point of view. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's very possible that Ryan was, like, sleep mumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, this fic does not tell you for sure there was a ghost and we have evidence. Um, the end notes actually, I think, are super, super clever because they show you what ended up getting picked up by the camera and like audio recorders, like what made it into the episode essentially. Um, which, like, looking at that evidence specifically, um, it's not super different from other stuff that they've collected, mm-hmm. actually. And it's such a good move. So smart. Because um, it's yeah. just oh, there's like a hint of like a shadow here, yeah. or like uh-huh. oh, like they felt a cold spot there, but it's yeah. like very circumstantial versus yeah. like when you're getting this from Ryan's perspective, it's all very real and, and very some present. Cameras like turn off in the middle mm-hmm. of the night, yeah. but that's something that they've experienced before on the show. Like you can have just technical difficulties. Yeah. So it turned like everything is sort of revealed to us that it could just be written off in the same way that we as uh-huh. viewers so often write uh-huh. off Ryan's worries yep. in unsolved episodes. Exactly. But um I think one of the reasons this fic is so effective is how well it grounds you in Ryan's point of view. Yes. Um and I think part of that is like just really good characterization. I think part of it is how close it sticks to Ryan. Mm-hmm. You don't really get much of anything from any of the other characters except what Ryan himself observes. And it doesn't really, like, ascribe emotions to characters that he isn't noticing. Um, And I think, like, I had sort of two examples of that that I wanted to talk about really quick. Um, One that I just, like, noticed early on is sort of an example of how good, like, the detail and the realism of this fic is. Um, Ryan's sort of described as pushing his face into a pillow, like, out of fear, and biting down on the fabric until he could feel the threads pressing patterns onto his tongue. And I think it's, like, these little sensory details that really get us in Ryan's headspace. Um, And then I think also, like, there are these couple moments where Shane is described as having, like, a very particular expression on his face, but we never really learn what that expression is, we only know it through the context of these different moments. And the more moments sort of pile up that this expression is 
mentioned, the more we can contextualize like what that expression probably was and how Shane is probably feeling about Ryan. But it's never like, oh, and then Shane looked soft or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah. we just know in the moment that he's looking this way and through this series of moments, we're able to sort of contextualize his emotions. I think that's very much how like the real world works uh-huh. um, and how your relationships are with other people. Like you're not in their head. You don't truly know their emotions. We just like assume things based on maybe how we'd be feeling or what the context is or what they've said. Um, And I think this fic just does a really good, great job of like adding up all these little moments to make Ryan feel really, really real and grounded in this fic. And I think that's why it's so scary too, because you are Ryan. We're already doing the work of like, sort of understanding his um, like physical space in this fic, understanding his relationship with Shane, and that just sort of carries on over to us being like, and also the ghosts are real. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, his pillowcase is real. Shane's soft feelings for him are real. So that means the ghosts might also be real. Yeah. And I think that that's really well done. Yes. And I also think too, I love the way that this fic, like the things that we know most saliently about Shane are the things that he says out loud. Like, mm-hmm. there's a scene that's a flashback um, that's, like, outside of a house after a shoot where they were talking. Um, and that scene, one piece that I really love about it is that, like, sunlight is a really huge um, part of this scene um, in terms of, like, we, we're getting a lot of details about the way that the light is, like, hitting Shane and hitting them and how does it feel, um, which is, like, you know, really great juxtaposed against, like, the dark, cold creepiness of this house. But... In the scene, Shane talks about feeling like he sabotages himself. Um, and it's like a little bit vague in the fic itself. This is actually the only scene that I remembered very vividly um, after reading it for the first time like a couple years ago. But um, yeah, that bit pulls from an actual scene in one of their videos. So like as a reader, I was able to sort of cushion more context onto it. Um, in which it's during the New Orleans voodoo episode, I think, where um, Ryan is, it, it cuts back and forth between Ryan and Shane, and Ryan is, like, sitting in a room, like, with their guide who's asking him, like, feel the energies of the room, like, who's in here with you, like, what are you noticing? And Ryan's, like, really into it, and he's, like, talking about what he's feeling and noticing. Um, and then it cuts back to Shane in another room who essentially says, like, sometimes I wish that I could believe in something more. Like, I wish that I could believe in something that defies the laws of physics. I wish I could, like, look into a dark and empty room and see something there. Um, Which I think is, like, wow. (laughs) Wow. Um, Relatable, I think, too, as, like, someone who veers way more toward the skeptic side of things. And that's why I think this fic is really awesome and that it does provide such a compassionate believer perspective where I could, like, actually feel what that feels like to be in that space and be scared. But, um... Yeah, I think so much of what we get of Shane is and what he says. He tells Ryan, like, I think you sabotage yourself, too. Like, you work yourself up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. There's so much about Shane that's really mysterious. But I love that, as with life, so much of what you get is Shane giving it to Ryan through the filter of his own self-perception. Does that make sense? Yeah. Of, like, what he thinks about himself first and then projecting that outward. I think this fic really gets at how we both have to rely on facts, but also our perception of facts. And I think that this fic is a lot about how things are perceived um, and what that line is between fact and perception of fact. And if there really is any difference to to those things at all. And I think within that, it also gets a lot at like trusting yourself and believing in yourself. Um, And that line that like Nick sort of mentioned 
that we all screamed about um, <laughs> is towards the end. And it's actually like right, right at the end. Um, and Shay's talking to Ryan. He says, I think you get yourself so worked up about stuff you've heard, Shane continued, that you think you see it or hear it. And then even if you didn't, you're too scared to work out whether it's real or not. And I just think it's <laughs> so smart also in how yeah. it turns like the ghosts and the paranormal into this allegory for their relationship and how it's all about Mm -hmm. believing in what you see and believing that your perception of it can be true. Um, Even when like the factual evidence can be so minimal, like as we saw, like in the footnotes, the actual recording is really limited. Yeah. But like, we also trust Ryan Uh that what he experienced was real. And I think it's really sweet that like Shane's end message to him is like, trust your gut. Like, even if I'm not there, there with you in this experience, that doesn't mean that it's not real. Um, Which is so I just think it's so good! good. Yellow okay. square! Yellow square! Um, I personally found the way that their relationship was framed to be super interesting. Um, maybe in part because I've only seen, like, mm-hmm. a few episodes. Um, I would think that, like, in a widely popular uh, web series, like, they would have, like, a very, like, friendly, like, buddy-buddy dynamic, um, which, like, they do, but this fic sort of from the beginning sets some distance between them and, like, makes a note of how different they are as people and, like, how hard they've had to work in order to, like, have, like, a friendship and, like, have, like, a working relationship that, like, has a good um, dynamic on camera. And there's a line in the beginning that goes... um, Sometimes when Ryan was feeling tired or fanciful, he imagined that they'd grown up into such different heights because they were destined not to see eye to eye. That he was destined to always be on tiptoes, trying to peer into the world Shane lived, where things stayed dead and nothing lurked in dark corners. I'm in agony. Oh, God. Like, first of all, there's so many lines in this fic where the prose is just, like, beautiful that I could yell about. But, um, like, this to me, like, I immediately made a note of it where I was like, oh, this doesn't set it up as something where they, like, always get along super well and it's just, like, like Ryan, like, pining or something. It's, like, there's a lot of space between them and, like, a lot of differences in the way that they, like, view the world and in their personalities and the way they, like, approach things. Um, and, like, them, like, working through it to still find common ground at the very, very end yeah, of the fic. Yeah, what's the last line of the fic? <laughs> yeah. Read, um, read it to me, please. I shall read it to you. Um, okay. Ryan, like, finally kind of gets, like, what Shane is saying to him um, and goes to talk to him. And the very last line is, with Shane on the bottom step of the Bringle house and him on top, they were finally seeing eye to eye. <laughs> oh, boy. It's very good. It is very Listen, good. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, if you can't tell from our agonized wailing. I think BuzzFeed Unsolved, just as a show itself, is very interesting in that mm-hmm. Shane and Ryan are good friends and we can tell that and they're very funny together they're very witty um and you can also tell that they genuinely do like each other and they appreciate their friendship um this is often easier to tell in the things where they aren't doing supernatural on-site visits like say if you watched mm, that weird side episode where they went to like knott's berry farm and tried every every buried flavored thing you'd be like oh best friends berry boys (laughs) we love them but unsolved and especially unsolved supernatural like 
really is so rooted in their fundamental differences uh-huh. and it sort of constantly makes them confront these like over and over again and you can see that it sort of wears on them sometimes and um i do think this fic does a really good sh- job of sort of setting them in that discomfort and in what is difficult about unsolved and particularly like these episodes of unsolved um where there are sort of like high stakes for the show but that can be really hard for them to pull off just as like two people also trying to like live their life and be friends. Uh-huh. Like perhaps this show would be easier if they weren't friends and they yeah. could just sort of be at each other's throats. Something sort of related to that concept um, that I really like would love to dig into is the fact that um, you have the knowledge all the time. Like they are always, always, always being watched and like not in a spooky way. Like there are always cameras on them. Like at night when it's just the two of them sleeping in the house, there are two, three cameras pointed at them. There are mics around during the day when they're sort of, like, exploring and investigating, like, what was going on. They have camera crew and, like, they talk to the crew, like, in these sort of, like, between the cuts. Um, I just became so aware of, like, how they're constantly trying to portray this, like, authenticity of the realness of the moment and, like, how they're reacting and, like, one another um, for, like, the sake of the show. But also, it was really interesting to see, like, how the author... um, How the author gave them space, I think, in the sense that, like... I feel like often in fic, you have these, like, deep conversations or, like, revelation moments between characters that are private because normal people, like, just have conversations with one another. But Shane and Ryan, like, are never afforded that luxury. Um, They never get to truly have, like, a space just to themselves. And they forget that at certain points. And then it comes, like, crashing back that, like, Mm -hmm. we are being watched, we are being perceived. Um, And that puts this, like, whole added pressure on top of it that I think is so fascinating yeah, no, it's really real, and I feel like this is something that we see a lot um, with any fic that deals with, like, very specifically framed content, I guess if that makes sense. So, um, kind of like the behind the scenes is, like, what you really are looking for out of this sort of a thing, because like, you can watch an episode and, like, see the episode, and it's there, and it's good, and it exists. Um, but once the cameras are off, you don't get to see the episode anymore. Um, and it actually reminds me, I don't know how relevant this is, but it reminds me of this Tumblr post. Okay, so the idea is that um, One Direction, the band, um, puts out, like, tons and tons and tons of content, but, like, the thing that the fans wanted the most was, like, whatever this quote-unquote authentic like, experience was for them, like, always wanting to get past all of these, like, various veneers, but, like, those kind of have to exist in order to, like, exist as a celebrity in the world without absolutely imploding and dying. Um, And the last bit um, says, me, climbing into your bed and pulling your blankets up to my chin. The endless, quote-unquote, documentaries, the social media, we had an unprecedented and unprecedentedly intimate degree of access to these people, and still what we valued most were secrets and accidents. What we wanted was their interiority, and when we could not have that, we invented it. Wouldn't you resent having to constantly be grateful for that grasping, rapacious love? I would. You. Are you crying? Me. We wanted to love them by devouring (laughs) them, and now we have nothing to eat but our own hearts. Can you bring me a hot water bottle? (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, that post goes hard, and I've read it so many times. I mean, I really think this is something that we're going to keep coming back to, and I know we're going to come back to it when we talk about, like, any BTS fic. Next week. Um, But also probably a whole bunch of (laughs) other things with RPF and anything that's not RPF that deals with, like, fame and being Uh viewed and being perceived. I have feelings about fame, everyone. Like, this shit is so, that's so real as to, like, what is so fascinating, why we constantly feel a need to 
get more why yeah. we are not satisfied by what we are presented as authentic because mm-hmm. we keep doubting whether it's authentic and we want what's really authentic yeah but like is that does that even exist yeah <laughs> it's real though and i think we see that in the fic too of like there's a moment toward um the beginning where they're filming like their little like discussion um of the location before they go and then you're because you're initially watching what you would see in the video of like them going back and forth the banter the talking and then the scene as that closes um like the producer like takes off her headphones the cameras turn off and they keep talking and i think that's like such a good like small almost microcosm of this like phenomenon of like what we are looking for um when we're reading and writing fic like this we could talk about this forever, 100%. listeners, so maybe we should wrap this one up yeah. here-ish, knowing that we will get back to this in many future episodes. We I think I'm probably like, honestly, I'd love to go back to the same post that you just read a little bit yeah. from, because I think there's so much to explore there. Yeah. I think Yellow Square is a great example of sort of close characterization of the trust that you need to have in yourself and others in the difference between facts and perceiving facts, and whether or not Ryan was actually cuddled by ghosts will remain unsolved. Um, all right. Thank you so much for sticking with us to yeah. this point. We are so appreciative. Um, I love you, listeners. <laughs> yeah. We're your stands. We are your stands. You have at least three stands, each and every one of you. <laughs> so I think you can feel good about that. <laughs> yeah. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode and enjoyed uh, hearing some of the really great things that we said, especially <laughs> me, but, you know, all of us. Um, if you read the fic, if you like this episode, if anything stuck out to you, if you have a conversation that you want to start with us or with other listeners, please, please hit us up on our social media. We're on Twitter at FitClick and Tumblr at FitClick.tumblr.com. We would love to see you there. Mm-hmm. So do we want to talk about what we'll be reading for next episode? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Nick? All right. So next episode, everyone get amped. (laughs) Uh, My pick is called Prismatic. It's by Mahistrado. And it is a BTS fic. That's what's up. No spoilers. spoilers. That's just a that's a hype horn. Yeah, that was If you listen to the intonation, yes. Yeah, but yeah, that'll be mine. Everyone should read it. It's not very long, and it's very good. I'm just saying. All right, Brenna, what are you gonna be? talking about next week all right so my pick is gonna be all straight line circle sometimes from our friend and yours AO3 user Talhui. um it is another hockey rpf fic it is different people and a different team um and hockey actually features yeah, someone in this fic they don't play a lot of it it's set sort of it's a future fic <laughs> but they um, are hockey players but they are hockey players they are sort of themselves in this one um it's really really good i'm super excited <laughs> to discuss it it has some of my favorite tropes. Um, my pick is Jamais Vu by The Hoyden. Um, despite the name, it's actually not uh, from BTS's hit album Persona. It's an Inception fic. What? It's in this land. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had two BTS fics. I thought it was based off of their deep cut Jamais Vu. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, wow. this one's an Inception the betrayal. Fic. Wow. It's a very good fic. Don't go into No, I'm very Inception. excited to read it. I've seen Inception, everyone. thank you we hope you listen to episode 3 when it comes out on November 8th and until then happy reading everyone bye Bye.